What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to this edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. As we're on the other side of the All-Star game, still in the middle of the All-Star break, when it comes to the teams around Major League Baseball, we don't see everybody get back into action until Friday, so a couple of days of downtime. And what a perfect time to react to some John Moselak quotes. How about it tonight on B-Shape Daily? So here's the deal. Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2 in St. Louis did an interview recently with John Moselak, and they aired a good portion of it on the TV side for Channel 2 in St. Louis, but there was an even longer cut of the interview between the Cardinals president of baseball operations and Martin Kilcoin that he put on his podcast, The Kilcoin Conversation, which all Cardinals fans should be checking out, by the way. He's done recent interviews with guys like Willie McGee. believe he had Jeff Supon, former Cardinal pitcher, on the podcast. Martin's very well connected. A lot of good guests on his podcast. And so definitely, if you're a Cardinals fan, go check out The Kilcoin Conversation. If for no other reason than to make sure you get the full interview from John Mozilla, because you may have seen some clips on Twitter. We're going to play a couple clips on this episode of B-Shape Daily tonight. But it was about a 12-minute long interview between Martin and John Moselak where they get into a lot of the nitty-gritty on the things going on with the Cardinals. He gets into asking about Ollie Marmel, what Bill DeWitt thinks of all of this, and so some pretty good stuff from Martin certainly in that episode. But I wanted to take a few of the clips and sort of react to what we think when it comes to the way that John Moselak has to sort of respond to some of the criticism. But Martin asked some really good questions here did it in a way that was going to elicit a pretty good response from Mo, and I think Mo did a, a pretty good job of answering these questions and shooting it as straight as he's going to. I don't necessarily agree with all of the things that he said or uh, believe that certain elements of this thing were as pertinent to the Cardinals struggling in 2023 as maybe Mo does, but I think it's a great insight into the mind of John Mozeliak, into the mind of the guy orchestrating what Cardinals fans hope will be a turnaround at some point. But what I thought was the most interesting headline, honestly, to come from this interview is the Cardinals are going into sell mode. 2023, as you'll hear from John Moselak, they're not necessarily waving the white flag, so to speak, but when they look at the moves that they're potentially going to approach over the next three weeks or so before the trade deadline, those moves are going to be heavily, heavily with 2024 in mind. The Cardinals right now, as we sit, are 11 and a half games out in the NL Central. They're 14 games below 500. We've talked all year that at some point, if the Cardinals don't turn things around, the calendar is going to work against them. And it seems now, by the own admission of the president of baseball operations, that time has arrived. And so, with just less than three weeks left to go before the trade deadline, it seems after this interview on Fox 2 that John Moselock is kind of settling and the Cardinals are settling around the idea of being true sellers at the trade deadline in a way that we've really not seen from his tenure in the 15-plus years, 16 years that he's been in charge since 2007. And we certainly didn't see it in the latter stages of the Walt Jockety era as the Cardinals were really good in those early 2000s, the early aughts, if you will. And so... It's not something that Cardinals fans, I think, are familiar with to the extent that it's about to go down. 2018, they kind of did a soft sell. They sold guys like Tommy Edmond, they, or not Tommy Edmond, Tommy Pham. They traded at the deadline. Uh, you can recall the Luke Voigt trade, which at the time is that a buying move, selling move. 
reorganizing the roster move. It was more of a reorganization period for the Cardinals during that 2018 trade deadline. Traded away Sam Tuivalala, uh, traded away Oscar Mercado for some younger pieces. Now, of course, he's since rejoined the Cardinals and then been DFA'd and released as of a couple of weeks ago. But that was a trade dead deadline period of the Cardinals kind of reorganizing the roster. This is going to be different than that. You could even make the case that, like, when they traded Tommy Pham, it was, you know, they got a Henesis Cabrera in that deal. So kind of a seller's move for sure, but it was not necessarily all that groundbreaking with the way he was performing at the time. I can remember thinking it was a, a wild move for the Cardinals to make, but in fairness, Henesis Cabrera is still on this team. Justin Williams very much did not pan out from that trade for the Cardinals. But nevertheless, that was kind of the last time you, you saw anything resembling sell mode for St. Louis. This, I think, is going to be different because the Cardinals have three pitchers on this roster who project to have some trade value over the next three weeks, and they're all on expiring contracts. They're all free agents after the season. And so it would surprise me if the Cardinals don't figure out a way to extract value for Jordan Montgomery, for Jordan Hicks, and for Jack Flaherty. I think those three guys probably should all be traded over the next three weeks if you're truly in a mode where you say, eh, we're kind of uh, like John Moselec will say here, as we'll we'll hear in the clips that we play, not waving the white flag on 2023, but being realistic about the way the assets need to be organized. I would think those three guys have got to be dealt. Mo says in the interview with Martin that the picks that you would get maybe for a guy that you give a qualifying offer to and then he declines it and you get a draft pick compensation for that, the players that you might be able to get back now should be more valuable than the picks. That's something that they're going to have to try and figure out. But I, I certainly think in the case of Montgomery, if he's healthy and the hamstring is just like a blip on the radar, he's been one of the Cardinals' best pitchers, if not the best pitcher. I mean, a 3.23 ERA leads the rotation at this point. One of the only guys that you would say has met expectations of that pitching staff this season for St. Louis. He might be one of the biggest trade chips at the entire deadline when it comes to starting pitching. A lot of teams are starting pitching needy, but you don't see a lot of teams lining up to necessarily sell their starting pitching that they have. Montgomery is perfect because he's a mercenary. He's only going to be with the team for a few months, the, the team that gets him. But that team then has now improved their opportunity to excel in the playoffs, potentially win a World Series by renting Jordan Montgomery. I think the Cardinals are going to have suitors for him. It's up to John Moselak to get the most value that he can. But, like, it makes sense. We've been talking in these terms for a, a couple of weeks now at least, and it was interesting to hear John Moselak finally, I don't know about finally, it, it's sort of been the writing on the wall, but he really did put it in no uncertain terms that the Cardinals are going to be making moves and guys will be traded away, and it's more in line with thinking about 2024 than trying to salvage 2023, these upcoming trades. So, we're going to go ahead and dive into the first of the Mosella quotes. Again, this was an interview conducted by Martin Kilcoin with Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosella for Fox 2 here in St. Louis. Want to play this first clip for you as Mo kind of talks about the way things have gone this season. And you'll hear at the end here him describe a little bit of the strategy of the Cardinals coming into the trade deadline. And let's see if you can guess the part that I'm going to take some issue with when it comes from John Mosellock that I just don't really agree with the way that this one's being described. Well, it's obviously been a very frustrating year for us. Um, I mean, I think you got to start back in the off season, and you know there was some opportunities that, in hindsight, we wish we would have done. I think when you look at the overall makeup of the roster, there's things we would definitely do differently as we sit here today. Um, the injuries have really mounted up for, for the Cardinals this season. 
I think you, when you go back to uh, to spring training, we just really never got our team together for, for various reasons, whether it was injuries or, or even the WBC. But as the season started, we got off to that really slow start. We dug ourselves a really deep hole. And, and when you do that, I think then all of a sudden it just sort of changes how you're playing. And so when you when you factor in that you're always playing from behind, you always feel like, like you're trying to play catch-up, I think there's a lot of pressure on these players to, to do more than they need to. And right now, when you're looking at just overall performance, it's just not there. And, and when you think about all the injuries that we've had and how much it's affected our, our starting rotation, how it's affected our bullpen, how it's affected our everyday club, it's, it's, it's hard to, to work through all that. And we are where we are now. And there's no excuses. I mean, we're just not playing like we, we hoped we would. And, uh, you know, now it's going to be like, how do we think about the, the next uh, three or four weeks and what changes can be made? And, and uh, you know, we're not necessarily like waving the white flag, but all decisions or all moves we do really will try to set us up for next year. So the priority is 2024, which I agree with at this point. I don't think it should be acceptable necessarily. I think the Cardinals front office should take a lot of heat for the fact that they're in the position that they're in. But you hear John Mozeliak there admitting that there are some things they should have done in the offseason that they didn't do, and credit to a number of Cardinals fans who at the time were saying, hey, you need pitching, hey, this isn't going to work out. Granted, I will say, don't be revisionist history on the whole thing. I do these preseason Twitter polls every year for a reason, because I don't want people to turn around and be able to say, see, I told you so. And more than 50% of Cardinals fans consistently, as I did the polls, and again, this isn't all of Cardinals Nation. That's just several hundred people voting in each of these polls. But I think it's somewhat representative of the way people felt about this team coming into the year. And people were voting north of 90 wins pretty consistently. I think it got to about 92 wins before we shut it down and finally got more than 50% of the vote saying, no, the Cardinals would not win more than 92 or whatever the number was. But it was in the low 90s. And so even though there were problems and people could recognize that the pitching had major risk associated with it, and we were kind of looking at it and saying, well, it could go this way, but if it were going to go bad, it would be because of the pitching. That's what a lot of people thought. But even still, people enough people felt like it wouldn't go demonstrably bad and it would end up being okay. It hasn't been okay. It has gone bad. And the Cardinals, yes, I think should have recognized it because we all were talking about pitching in the offseason. Well, John Mosellek says there we should have recognized it. We should have been a little more uh, proactive about making sure we made some moves that we didn't make. However, in that same clip, he talked about it twice and alluded to the injuries that the Cardinals have gone through this season. And that's the part that I just cannot get on board with. Again, he's taking responsibility. He's saying there are things that obviously we should have done that we didn't do, and that was a mistake. It reminds me of the, the reckoning that has been coming for six months since the beginning of January, middle of January, where he said at winter warm-up at Bush Stadium, we weren't that engaged in the pitching market. We may see that as a strategic mistake, but our hope is that we don't and that we do have enough in the pitching department. Well, they didn't. They didn't have enough, and that has led to here on July 12, the president of baseball operations has admitted this week that they're sellers at the deadline, essentially. He says, we're not waving the white flag necessarily, but any moves that we make, it's going to be looking to how we set things up for 2024. But I want to just touch on the injury stuff here real quick. Because the Cardinals, I got to be real with you, haven't been attacked by this injury bug, this boogeyman of an injury bug in the way that John Mosellick describes. Like, to say it twice in answering one question, 
really, again, he says, not making excuses. Later on, there will be another quote we'll play where he says, not making excuses. And he does own up to the fact that, that they fell short and that they do need to change and that the model isn't working and they recognize that. However, don't then kind of say, well, you know, we, we had all these injuries that we had to deal with. The Cardinals have not had to deal with a rash of injuries necessarily relative to what happens every year in Major League Baseball. There's a list of the number of games spent on the injured list from the 25-man roster, 26-man roster. Uh, Texas Cards fan one actually brought this to my attention on Twitter. He said, courtesy of Spot Track. So that's the, the screenshots, I believe, where those are coming from. But you can look, and the Cardinals had... 347, or have had 347 days worth. I said games, but it's days spent on the injured list. 347. And that is low compared to what the rest of the league is dealt with. I could go down the full list. I don't really want to, but teams like the Brewers, Braves, Pirates, Giants, Rays, Cubs, Reds. It's The entire NL Central has had worse injury luck than the Cardinals. And I believe I I went through this earlier today. The Cardinals are like 19th, 18th, 19th, or 20th or so around that range in terms of being hit the hardest by injuries in terms of days on the IL. And you might say, well, the Cardinals have had more prominent players spend time on the IL, and that's why it's not worth going through by the days because it matters which guys were on the injury list. Okay, let's do it that way then. Which Cardinals have really been just a crushing blow in terms of guys that have been injured this year. Like Adam Wainwright, obviously that's a bummer, but a lot of Cardinals fans weren't expecting a lot of him anyway coming into the season. They said, oh, he's more like your number four, your number five starter. Okay. And he has pitched, right? Like he started the season on the IL. I'll give you that. But then he pitched. He didn't pitch well, and that's why he's back on the injured list. So you can look at that a number of ways. If he weren't on the IL, he'd still be in the rotation. And for a lot of folks, they would say that would be worse than the situation of him being on the IL based on the performance that he had. The one guy that I'll give you is Ryan Helsley. That's the one big loss that they've had, and it is right around the time that we we started to really notice that this bullpen was kind of a mirage and was maybe doing it with smoke and mirrors before Helsley went down. And Helsley wasn't having a perfect season either, but he was a 3.2 ERA. He was a solid option in the ninth inning. Gallegos was looking like a solid option in the ninth inning at the time. Helsley goes down, and suddenly you've got, like, Palante and Stratton are your setup men, pitching seventh, eighth inning leverage situations. Gallegos blows a few games. That was before Jordan Hicks kind of found his stride as the closer. Like, it was it was rough, and we noticed it right after the Helsley entry. That's the one I'll give you. But there are teams and fan bases out there in Major League Baseball that would laugh at the notion that the Cardinals' failure has been due to injury because they just haven't had that many prominent injuries relative to what can happen. Teams like the Yankees spend all that money on Carlos Rodon. They haven't had him pitch. I think he just finally made his season debut for him. The Mets spent a bunch of money. Guys hurt. The Cardinals just haven't had to deal with that. They really haven't. Not really. I mean, they've not lost Arenado. No issues with Goldie, Wilson Contreras, Jordan Montgomery. Jack Flaherty has been largely healthy. I mean, you could go up Miles Michaelis. You could go up and down the list. They've got most of their core guys. Tommy Edmond. Now, Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond a little bit recently. But those are all short-term injuries. Dylan Carlson was out for a little bit. Tyler O'Neill's the guy that you can say he's been out for a long, long time and is probably going to make his way back on Friday. 
I would I would think so after having some rehab assignments uh, last week. But Tyler O'Neill being hurt, I mean, all that did was get him out of the lineup because he wasn't hitting. He wasn't performing like the guy that the Cardinals needed him to be at the beginning of the year. Uh, we'll see what he does when he comes back. Maybe part of it was the, the health issues and the back issue he was dealing with. And if he can be a healthy version of himself, that really helps the team. But he's got a 620 OPS on the year. And he was being force-fed the center field job when he hadn't earned it and, and frankly, was probably the fourth-best defensive center fielder on the team. He's the best defensive left fielder on the team, but the Cardinals couldn't leave well enough alone with that, and you had the entire circus that you had in the early portion of the season, and I said the the whole time it didn't make any sense, and the Cardinals had their explanations, and everybody kind of said, okay, that's what you think, but, I mean, everybody using their eyes would say, just keep Tyler O'Neill in left field where he's elite. And the Cardinals didn't want to do that at the beginning of the year. So I don't think you can look at injuries and say this is the reason that the Cardinals had a bad season. No, 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 no. Injuries happen to every baseball team, and it's up to the front office before the season begins to recognize that you can't just say anytime an injury takes place, well, shoot, we who could have seen that coming? No, you got to anticipate some of those injuries. And the Cardinals have been fortunate on the injury front. I would, I, I completely reject the notion that injuries are the reason the Cardinals are bad this year. Injuries are the only reason this team isn't on pace to lose 110 games because they haven't had any of them. If they've had injuries, then it'd be even worse. That's the honest truth. So the fact, I mean, you're going to bring it up once because you can kind of idly say, and you're trying to make it sound less bad than it is. I get it. Mo's got to do a little bit of that. But to, to do it twice in the same answer, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to address it. No, the, it, I completely reject it. Injuries are not the reason the Cardinals are, are struggling this year. If anything... Injuries have helped to keep the Cardinals as close as they are because they haven't had any prominent ones other than Ryan Hilsley. That's honestly how I feel about that. So that was maybe too much time spent on what was just maybe an innocuous comment by the, the Pobo just saying, hey, you know, we've had injuries. But no, I mean, he really trumped it up and trumped it up in terms of like the pitching injuries, the starting pitching injuries. Your rotation coming into the season was Michaelis, Montgomery, Flaherty, Wainwright, Matts. Those were supposed to be your five. And then you had Dakota Hudson, Libertor waiting in the wings. Libertor hasn't been hurt. He's pitched bad. Hudson hasn't been hurt. He's pitched bad in the minors, and now he's here. We'll see. Looks good in relief so far. Might need him in the rotation after you trade a few of these other guys, though. But like Montgomery, healthy, largely. Now he's got an injury now. Hopefully it's nothing long-term because they need to trade him. Jack Flaherty, healthy. I mean, he hasn't had any big issues. Had a little flare-up with the hip or whatever it was in London, but he only missed like one start from that. I mean, Michaelis has been healthy. Those three guys, Montgomery, Flaherty, Michaelis, they've been kind of, they've been your horses, and they've been pretty good mostly recently. Overall, the the ERAs and the low fours for the other two guys, Michaelis and Flaherty, but Montgomery's at 3-2-3. Like, they've been been good and healthy. That's 60% of a rotation. I'm not going to go through the data on it, but I can promise you there are teams who have lost 60% of their rotation to injury. Cardinals haven't really had that. They, Wainwright's hurt, but that's not the reason. Like He's on the IL, but that's not the reason his spot has been a, a, a blunder in the rotation. It's been his pitching until the injury took him out of action. Like His performance was the problem, not the fact that he's now hurt. And then the five spot, Steven Matz was never hurt. He just got removed from the rotation due to performance. So, I, I just felt like that was a little bit too much bluster for me. No, it's not injury. That's not the reason the Cardinals are where they are. 
Before we get into the rest of these John Mozeliak clips from the very good interview done by Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2 with John Mozeliak, which, again, you can check it out on Fox 2's uh, social media. You can check out the full interview, the Kilcoin conversation. I want to plug the podcast because that's where all this is coming from, and we're just kind of reacting to it. But make sure you check that out for Martin Kilcoin and, and for Fox 2. But before we get into the rest of these quotes, we want to plug our own stuff. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribing to the YouTube channel. Appreciate it if you just take a quick moment of your time, click the subscribe button, like this video as well. And if you've got an extra 30 seconds, throw your comment down below with what you think of everything we're hearing from John Mozeliak in this uh, Martin Kilcoin Fox 2 interview. A lot of interesting stuff that sort of paves the way for what we can come to expect the Cardinals to at least try to do over the next few weeks prior to the trade deadline. They, they've given us the blueprint. Now it's going to be about executing it. But we'll see what they're able to accomplish. But yeah, drop your comment. Make sure you guys are subscribed because when these trades take place, this is where you want to be for analysis of the trades, of where the Cardinals might go next. As we get into the nitty-gritty, we'll probably do some live streams as well after some of these things go down to get your guys' opinion. want to build that community here with you all, so subscribe. Would really appreciate it. Make sure you guys are also following uh, the B-Shape Daily podcast on Spotify. You can search it on Spotify, B-Shape Daily. Follow and give us a five-star review over there. If you've got an iPhone, I don't, but I know some people do. Apple Podcasts is another place that you can find us. And if you'd like to take your support of me and the channel to the next level because you like what we do, patreon.com slash bshafer12 is a great way you can do that. But let's go ahead and hop back into some of the clips here. Again, Mosellock talking about trading guys, but who are they going to trade? That's kind of the next question. We've talked a lot about these pitchers that are on expiring deals, but let me know what you think about this next quote from Mosellock about who they're going to trade and, and what their angle is here because I felt like this was a little bit of a t difficult one to dissect. It's like the Rorschach test. You might see one thing and somebody else might see something completely different or hear something completely different when it comes to the way Mosaic is describing which guys they may or may not trade at this upcoming deadline. Well, I think right now I can tell you that we're going to trade people. I just don't know if it's going to be like household names or, or more of guys that just aren't likely going to be here next year. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about what we may or may not do at the moment, but we're not going to just like have like giveaway players. Um, you know, we want to get some value in return. We want to get some return that's going to help us for 2024. And that's going to be really our focus as we enter the trading period. So again, this felt like a little bit of a word salad sort of thing where he says, we got to decide whether we're going to trade guys that would be considered household names or just guys that may or may not be here next year. Well, I would look at the guys that wouldn't be here next year as the ones that are free agents. That's the way I would perceive that. But he might be saying guys maybe a little bit lower on the roster where we've just got to clear up some of the the excess and say, well, this guy doesn't have a role next year, so let's just make a Luke Voigt type of trade or a Sam Tuivailala type of trade going back to the 2018 uh, trade deadline that the Cardinals had. Those might be the guys that aren't considered to be here next year. But I also would say Jack Flaherty, household name, I don't know how anybody, I mean, he's been what second longest tenured Cardinal. Is that right? He's been here six years. Adam Wainwright being the longest. I think the second most might be Flaherty. I'd have to go check that, but I think that's plausible. So if he's not a household name, I don't know who is, but he also would apply to the second category because I don't think he's going to be here next year. So I actually don't think John Mozella gave much insight into what the Cardinals are weighing at this point when it comes to the deadline with that quote. I just I think it was just kind of word salad. There's not really anything to take away from it to say just because of the way that it was phrased. 
Like, how do you define household name? That could be, that's kind of intentionally vague almost. Probably not on purpose, but it, it just seems like, well, what did you really tell us with this? I don't know. But what I would say as my reaction to that quote is this. Household names are not, the Cardinals are not trading Goldsmith and they're not trading Arenado. I think there might be some nationally that will see that quote and say, oh, they could trade some household names. Arenado, you're now a Yankee or whatever the hell they're going to say. No, he's not. No, it's not. That's not happening. They're not trading those players. I'm like a thousand percent certain they're not trading Arenado and you can just, you can leave one sliver. It's like 99.9999999999% sure they're not trading Paul Goldschmidt. I just, I think what that would signal to a guy like Arenado is, eh, we don't really know what next year looks like either. And Arenado is all about trying to win. It was referenced that Arenado and John Moselak met in the offseason, of course, and discussed the way forward, and, and Arenado was in on that, so he opted in, right? That was something that Martin brought up again. I'm not going to play the clips of that, but that's why I recommend you go listen to the entire Killcoin Conversation podcast or you check out the interview on Fox 2 to make sure you don't miss any context. If you're done listening to this, go right over there and you'll catch the whole thing. But regardless of the household name comment, those two guys aren't moving. I do think there are some other household names and guys that are under team control that could be moved for pitching. I think it's a separate category of the moves that are made as true sell moves because trading a position player that's a part of your everyday roster at your everyday lineup for somebody that could be exactly that but at a different position that's not really a buy that's not really a sell that's just more of a reorganization and I think the Cardinals could use some of that and we talked recently about Nolan Gorman as maybe a candidate for that go back a couple of days ago on your uh, B-Shape Daily podcast feed or the YouTube channel where I said could the Cardinals trade this potential star for pitching Nolan Gorman, I think, could be an interesting candidate for that. There are other names as well that we dissect and, and kind of talk about. And I may even throw up a video on the YouTube channel from the big show the other day as I went and rated each of the possibilities for like the five position players that I think could potentially move for pitching and how likely I think each of them would be. I think the names on that were Donovan, Newt Barr, Dylan Carlson, uh, who am I missing? Tommy Edmond and Nolan Gorman. I think those were the five that I went through and told you least likely to most likely kind of where I'm grading those guys scale of one to 10 on potential to be traded. I might throw that up on YouTube at some point this week. That's a separate entity from the pitchers that are on short-term expiring contracts and therefore might be considered guys who won't be here next year. But I just didn't really know a ton of what to make of that comment from Mo. But basically, you heard him say, it's all about 2024, the trades that we're going to make. And I think that's the headline from this whole interview. We've kind of known that it was trending in that direction. But to hear the Cardinals come out and admit it, what does that do for your interest in this team the rest of the way? Are you glad to see that being the case? Because to you as a Cardinals fan, it's the sensible way forward. Or are you feeling led astray because this was a team that should be able to compete for a championship in your mind? And especially in a down NL Central to basically throw in the towel, even though they're saying they're not doing that, but to wave the flag almost and say, it's okay if we make ourselves worse for 2023 because we're prioritizing the future. Should that be allowable after just three and a half months of a season where the NL Central winner could end up only 85 or so wins? I mean, I think that's a, a place where a lot of Cardinals fans might be. Others might totally see the logic behind announcing, hey, we're sellers, come get some of these rental pitchers from us. Let me know what you think, though, in the YouTube comments section. That's definitely something where I feel like most Cardinals fans might be on one side, but there's going to be a number of folks that are on another. So I want to hear from you guys when it comes to that. Make sure you subscribe to the channel so you can see all these videos, read all these comments, everything going on with that. Speaking of the fan base and the opinions of Cardinals fans, 
I'll jump right in with this next quote from the Fox 2 interview. John Moselak being asked by Martin Kilcoin about the fan angst over the way things have gone this season for the team and how a lot of that angst is sort of directed at the front office. You always seem to be in tune with the fan base. How aware are you? I think there's angst in some circles. There's anger. How aware are you right now of the, the frustration that's out there? Well, it depends. Like, you know, like I, I still speak to groups and I'm you know still out there. And, and I think when they're face to face with you, they, they have empathy and, and, you know, feel bad for where you are. Um, I think when you go online and, and you read what people are writing about you, yeah, there's real anger, and, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are calling for my job, and uh, I can understand that to some level. I mean, it, it hasn't been a good year. We get it. So there's John Mozilak addressing some of the criticism that he knows is out there regarding the job he's done and the job the Cardinals front office in general has done this season. Talking about, though, the fact that, yeah, you get to me in person. I talk to groups. I talk to Cardinals fans. People are a little nicer. Online, y'all are pretty mean. That makes sense. It's easier to say something uh, behind the computer screen or behind the cell phone screen compared to saying it to somebody's face. But I do think a lot of the stuff you do see online, there's validity behind it, even the critical stuff. Now, there is some mean-spirited stuff and some stuff that I do think goes overboard, but I do think a lot of what Cardinals fans have called for with regard to them not being so complacent and the idea that they should be a little bit more on top of these things and more proactive to some of these issues that have cropped up and and Cardinals fans have maybe seen coming for some time and they kind of didn't have that. They they were complacent, I think, in a lot of ways. They wanted to, in the words of Moselak, go with some of the internal options and see what we had in some of these guys on on the pitching front. Although if you were to peel the layers of that onion back, some of the guys he's talking about, Dakota Hudson, Matthew Libertor, like, okay, Libertor gets a shot. He's a prospect. They need to see what they can get out of him. Totally understand. Dakota Hudson, I don't think, was a guy that coming into the season, the Cardinals thought very highly of him. And so now to turn around and say, well, we really wanted to have a a shot for Dakota Hudson, and that's why we didn't make sure we landed some better depth in the offseason. Dakota Hudson's been pitching at Memphis all year. They only just called into the big leagues. I get a lot of that might be performance-based because he just wasn't lighting it up in Memphis, but I think that's a little bit overblown to say, well, we had these internal options and we really thought the depth was there. No, I think that's where some of the criticism comes from because it's it's not stuff that came falling out of the clear blue sky. A lot of Cardinals fans did anticipate that some of these issues would be here and they were kind of dismissed by the front office, to be honest with you, by saying, well, we didn't really engage in those markets because we felt like uh, we had what we needed. And so maybe that's a strategic mistake, Mo said back in January. Well, now we know that it is, and I think it's okay for fans to be upset about that because it doesn't buy you anything now to say, well, you guys were right. We we could have done this for that. All that does is, I think, enrage fans to say, well, duh, if you had done it in January or December or November, though, maybe the Cardinals wouldn't be in this predicament, and maybe they would be going to the playoffs where a lot of people felt the front office included, they should be going this season, but it's not looking like it's going to happen. And so that's where a lot of the inks comes from. But as Mo says there at the end, he understands it. He says, people are probably calling for my job and I get it because this season hasn't gone the way we've wanted it to. So for the accountability crowd, there you go. He's basing the music and at least telling you what he thinks about some of those criticisms, even if you may not like the answer or agree with what he has to say. He's at least addressing those things and knows that it's out there. And that kind of leads right into the last clip that I want to play here from the interview on Fox 2 between Martin Kilcoin 
and John Mosellock, which you can hear the full conversation of at the Killcoin Conversation, Martin's podcast on Spotify and other platforms. It kind of gets at the heart of the notion that the fan base sort of views that the Cardinals have gotten complacent in recent years, that they rested on their laurels, they knew they had success, they knew they had this track record, and that because of that, they maybe didn't need to continue to be as aggressive and as hungry to get that next opportunity, to just say, hey, you can make the playoffs, you can build a roster that's just good enough to get in and then see what happens. That's sort of the mindset that a lot of Cardinals fans, I think, have with regard to how the Cardinals view themselves. And so John Mozalek sort of addresses that notion as Martin asked about it here in this next clip. I mean, I, I, I think I hear that more, that, that maybe we are more complacent or, or um, maybe are arrogant in the fact that we've had the success we've had. But I assure you, like, again, like even when we look at, at, at what we put together on paper, it, it, it should have worked better, it, but it didn't. And now, remember, what's on paper is not the human being and, and that element of, of how it all gels. And so, you know, clearly, in ter- like the front office, ownership front office, we know we have to do something different. This is not the model we're going to follow. And so that's something we'll take a very hard look at, try to address it, and, um, you know, changes will happen. So even though you might have been annoyed by the beginning of that clip where he said he sounded exasperated, to be honest with you, and he made the comment that looking at it on paper, it should have worked better than it did. That kind of sounds like real frustration from Mo because I think on some level he still feels like what he built should have panned out better than it has. But he's also a realist to say, hey, look, it didn't pan out. And so as a result, we know we've got to do something different. So I hope Cardinals fans are encouraged by that part of it because I could see people latching onto the beginning of that and saying, oh my goodness, he's still sort of living in denial about what it is and about the fact that in his mind this should have worked. And so that's going to mean that the Cardinals are going to go into the next offseason and sort of say, this was a fluke. This isn't going to happen again. We trust our model. But that's not what he says. I think it's important to listen to the full quote there and listen to the end of it where he says, we do know that this model isn't the one that's working. We're not going to follow this again. We've got to do better. We've got to make changes and we've got to recognize the places where we've fallen behind and get up to speed, get the Cardinals back to where they're supposed to be. I hope fans are encouraged by that, but let me know. Are you buying that from Mosellock? Do you feel like he's got a handle on what needs to take place, how to fix what's gone wrong? And do you trust John Mozeliak is the guy still to do it? Because this is still his call. This is still his show. He's talked about being under contract for two more years. Martin also talked with Bill DeWitt about that notion. And Bill DeWitt Jr. put his full force, his whole trust behind John Mozeliak and said he's going to fulfill the obligations of that contract over the next two years, 2024 and 2025. So there is no plan to fire John Mozeliak. There's no plan to fire Ali Marmel. I don't think there maybe even will be a vast coaching shakeup. In the interview with Martin, Mo basically said none of this is on the coaches. They've been given the players that they were given, and we've got to change the way that we go about it. So I feel like with a lot of the conversation we've had about the Cardinals this year saying that the issues have come from the top down, that these words should be meaningful maybe to Cardinals fans. But let me know what you think. Is it enough, or do you just need to see the action before you're necessarily too interested in listening to everything that John Mosaic has had to say. I thought it was a great interview by Martin Kilcoin for Fox 2. I thought Mo did a nice job of playing ball and recognizing where things are right now. Like, you can't just hide forever. 
and not address some of the tough questions. I felt like Martin did a nice job of, of putting him at ease to where he felt like he was in a position to be able to answer them effectively. But they got to the heart of a lot of the issues, I thought. It is a performance-based business. It is a results-based business, though. And I think over the next three weeks, John Mozeliak is going to have to perform in his in his role if these Cardinals are going to find results. Again, we're still going to talk about the 2023 Cardinals. Stranger things have happened. It seems unlikely that they're going to be a playoff team if you subtract Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, and Jordan Hicks from that group. But again, stranger things have happened. I am very curious to see how big the makeover can be over the next few weeks and how then John Mozeliak and company are able to parlay that into the offseason where they can truly put what should be the finishing touches on the 2024 roster by then. By February, it should be ready to rock and roll. No more of this, well, we'll deal with it at the trade deadline because all that does is allow you to kick the can down the road and put yourself potentially in a situation like the very spot the Cardinals are in right now where they are sellers at the deadline. The terms are very clear out of the mouth of John Mozeliak, it seems, that the Cardinals are going to be selling. The extent to which that that's true, I think, is going to be up for some debate until we see the way it plays out. I am still going to tell you there's no Arenado, no Goldschmidt moving. But I'll tell you, I think the, the rental pitchers are as good as gone if they can find fair value for them. Mo did say we're not going to just trade players to trade players. we got to get value back for the guys we move. But I think you're going to get value greater than the qualifying offer that you can give to Montgomery. Maybe the same can be said for Flaherty. Probably there's no QO for Hicks, but I think that's why you got to move him because you don't get any value for Jordan Hicks if you don't trade him now. And he looks like a bonafide closer, and he's never looked like this. I mean, I won't say never, but over the six years he's been with the Cardinals, this is about as good as he's looked, what he's done over the past couple of months. And so if you're the Cardinals, you have got to capitalize upon that, I think, and say, hey, look, we've got a, a starting pitcher or two that we're willing to trade and that can supplement contending rosters. And we've also got a legit relief pitcher who's who's shown the ability to pitch in the ninth inning. And whether or not he pans out for that team doesn't really matter to the Cardinals as long as that team believes that Jordan Hicks can help them over the final months of this season. And I, again, I've mentioned this before. I've floated the idea. Wouldn't be opposed to seeing one of those pitchers, whether it's Montgomery or Flaherty, added to a Jordan Hicks in the same package going to the same team to maybe boost the package of prospects or young players that the Cardinals could get back or allow them to shop on a higher shelf potentially for one key name. These are just rental players, and so I'm not under the illusion that the Cardinals are going to be able to get back a superstar top prospect, but I do believe there's value to be had, and the level to which John Mozeliak is able to massage that value out of the opposing teams and the the fellow major league clubs and executives that are trying to contend. They're in a spot that the Cardinals wish they were in right now, but... We've talked about meet them where they live. The Cardinals right now live in the cellar, and they need to be a cellar, I think, as a result. Short term, and then see what John Mozeliak is able to do. I think you start by trading those pitchers, and you can do that as early as this week. Begin to move some of these guys if the markets begin to develop. Sometimes deadlines are what can create these deals, but there's another area of the front office that needs to be in flux as the Cardinals figure how they're going to backfill those rotation spots, and I think that could be by trading away a guy that's a member of the everyday starting lineup to potentially add a controllable starting pitcher to Miles Michaelis, to Steven Matz, if he's going to be in the 2024 rotation, to start to nail that thing down, to make it not such a situation where you go into November and you've got to add two or three free agent starting pitchers in order to, to fill out a five-man rotation. That's not a path forward to winning. The Cardinals need to make some moves now 
to be able to fortify before the offseason comes. Then you build the roster that you think can get you where you want to go in 2024, and you don't rely upon the potential to do it at the deadline of next July. Don't kick the can down the road anymore. Make a bold move. Take bold action. See where that gets you. John Mozilla has done it before, but it's been a little while since we've seen such action pay out for this team. What should the Cardinals do? What will they do? And what do you think about the recent comments by John Mozeliak essentially putting the Cardinals and Major League Baseball on notice that this team is in sell mode and players will be traded? Let me know by commenting below on the YouTube channel. Like this video and please do subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube channel as we will be covering everything related to the trade deadline and the St. Louis Cardinals over the next three weeks. You do not want to be left in the cold when it comes to this channel. We're going to have a lot of content coming your way. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, though. That is going to do it for this edition of the program, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace!